in here this morning. I want to thank our worship team for the hard work they put in each week. As Chris said, we're in a series called Greatest Hits. We're in week two. This is where we are going back over some of our uh, most popular messages or most meaningful or, or what have you. And this week, we're, we're going back to a series that we kicked off on February 7th, 2016. I want to read a couple of scripture to you. I want you to remain standing as we anticipate the proclamation of God's Word, and I'll have you be seated in just a moment. I want to read Colossians to you, a book of the New Testament, just a couple of scripture. Paul's writing to a church there that he's planted, much like City Lots. He says, so if you have been raised with the Messiah, anybody raised to life in Jesus this morning? Yeah. He said, seek what is above. Be a simple man. Be a simple kind of man. Seek what is above where the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. In verse 2, he tells them to, how many of you know this is difficult to do, to set your minds on what is above. We get so caught up and frustrated with what's happening here and now and what we see and what we don't see. We get so focused on the moment, things that seem like they're of, of dire importance, they're really trivial. Paul says, set your minds on what is above, not on what is on earth. So where's the tension when we have responsibility, when we, when we have children, we have work, we have obligations? What's the tension? How, how do I set myself up to think of things here and not get focused here? And that's where we're going this morning. So if you will, pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here at 403 Market Street. Thank you for those who are watching online this morning. Thank you for our worship team. Thank you for our City Kids volunteers who are teaching children on, on their level down there. This morning, as we continue in worship through, through the proclamation of your word, use me as a vessel. God, may people leave here more impressed with you than me or any other service that we have to offer here. Help us to be simple-minded, to be focused on you. We welcome you in this place, Father. Not that you need our invitation, but just we open our hearts to say yes. We need you here. We want you here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, team. You sound good this morning. So we're in a series called Truth in a World of Grey that we kicked off uh, about 18 months ago. Again, this is just part two of a series that we're doing. One of the messages that I want to share with you this morning is from, this is actually the fourth installment of this series that I shared. Uh, I think it's going to be really, hopefully relevant and hopefully meaningful to you, and uh, we'll hear God speak today. I want to ask you a couple questions. How many of you would say that it's easy for you to get distracted by things here? Let me, let me ask it this way. How many of you would say it's really easy for me to get distracted from things that don't matter when it comes to my relationship with Jesus, when they don't matter as much? Does that make sense? Like, I just get distracted. Like, I want to read. I want to pray. I want to serve. I want to come to church. I want to know him more. But I just get distracted. I get caught up on, on things that, that pull me away from him. And, um, and just so, you, I think you guys know this, maybe you don't, but let me be the one to enlighten you. When we pick our, our worship music, we try to do it so there's a theme for the whole day. It's not that worship's more important than message or message is more important than the worship. We just try to create a theme. So that simple man wasn't like, ah, well, we don't know what else to sing, so let's just throw a little Skinnerd out there because you can't go wrong with Skinnerd. We want to bring some simplicity to our lives. Well, I'm, I'm really excited about the message, so I want to I dive in, but I want to set some context up for you this morning. Uh, as we talk about um, truth in the world of gray, the idea behind this series was that we live in a society now 
that presents a lot of cultural norms that actually aren't so normal when it comes to being a Christ follower. They actually, they go against the grain. There's some things that our society says we should be doing, and there's some things that society promotes that actually conflict what God says we should be doing. And so then what is that tension? How do we seek what is above? How do we keep our minds there when we have responsibility here? And there's a story in the Old Testament about a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, there's also, we're going to look at a guy named Daniel, and maybe you've heard of the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to talk about them a little bit this morning. But here's what's going on. I want to set some context up for you. I think this scripture in the Old Testament is going to be relevant to what we're doing today. And particularly what I want to talk to you about is this idea of modern-day idolatry. Modern-day idolatry. We're going to read a story here in just a moment about King Nebuchadnezzar building a statue and wanting people to worship it. But we're just like King Nebuchadnezzar, many of us. There's some things I think that we're going to see are, are, are relevant and practical, and we're going, to turn, we're going to turn around and say, all right, how can we identify these things that distract us from following Jesus and smash those and keep our minds on what is above, not on what is on earth? So here's what's going on. We're going to look at Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar was a king in a city called Babylon. Now, if you've ever... Um, Maybe studied the Old Testament, you heard about how the nation, the southern kingdom, back in the Old Testament, there was um, the nation of Israel, there was two kingdoms, you had a north and a south. Uh, the southern Judah, uh, southern kingdom, they went into Babylonian uh, exile for 70 years. This, if you've ever heard the verse Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Anybody ever heard that? He's speaking that to the nation right before they go into Babylonian captivity. Modern day, for geographical reference, if you were to look at a map, Babylon, uh, Babylon is about 55 miles south of modern-day Baghdad, Iraq, just to give you a reference. I don't know if you guys are like, oh, yeah, I know where that's at, but you've heard of that, so that, that's where it's at. There's this guy named Daniel, and there's these three Hebrew boys that we're going to talk about, and they have found favor in the eyes of God. But here's the thing. They're actually serving King Nebuchadnezzar. You're going to see about King Nebuchadnezzar that he believed in God, but he's not really, he wouldn't have been called this back then, but for simple terms today, he wasn't really a Christ follower. Yet Daniel found favor and he was serving under the king. And I think what I wanted to tell you that's relevant here is you may have the favor of God on your life, but you may not be a pastor. You may have the favor of God on your life and be a school teacher or a stay at home mom. Does that make sense? Sometimes I feel like you guys look at me because I'm the professional. You're like, you know, if Jesus is coming back soon, I won't be standing by Pastor Peyton. Just to make sure I get to go. Just want to make sure I'm in. You could have the favor of God on your life and not be in a ministry like this. We all have a call to ministry. Daniel had a call to ministry, and he found himself serving under a king that was really doing some jacked up things. And what I want you to know is you may have the favor of God on your life and be serving or working at a place where God is irrelevant, but it's your job to be that witness. It's your job to be that city light at that place. That's what's going on with Daniel. He's found God's favor but he's in a peculiar spot. Now, something interesting about King Nebuchadnezzar that I want us to, I want us to see that we all relate to him is, um, let me just read the scripture. This is Daniel chapter two, verse 47. It says, the king said to Daniel, notice this, truly your God is the greatest. So here he says, he's showing, I believe in God. Truly your God is the greatest of, look, all lowercase g, God's. So right here's this dichotomy already, this tension of, okay, the King Nebuchadnezzar, he clearly believes in God, but he just thinks he's one of many gods. 
He's the Lord over kings. He's a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Daniel had been given wisdom and knowledge to interpret dreams, and, and Nebuchadnezzar sees that, that Daniel's God is great because he gives this wisdom. But here's this tension, and listen, this is you and me. If you're watching online, this is you as well. King Nebuchadnezzar, he believed in God, but he worshiped other things. How many of you know it's true to believe in God, but worship people, places, and things today? This is us. We're King Nebuchadnezzar. We can profess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We can gather here and sing, and we can worship, and we can pray throughout the week, and we can read our Bibles, and we can do all the things that good little Christians are supposed to do. But at the end of the day, it's very easy to believe in God, but worship other things. And I want to give you a couple examples of perhaps what modern-day idolatry would look like. I've got a, a picture, a couple pictures, both. I'll, I'll, I'll guide you through those. This is a picture of my wife holding my baby boy, and I want to tell you this. I know there are a lot of good women in here, but I'm, I, I don't gamble, but if I did, I'd buy a couple scratch-off tickets for her. She is a great woman. You need to hear this. She's a great woman. She's a great mother. She's a great wife. She's my best friend. She <laughs> believes in me. She's never left me or forsaken me, just like my father in heaven. And I love this picture. There's so many that I wanted to choose from, but I really wanted to make this more about Jesus than my wife. I thought he would be pleased with that. But I, wanted, I just want to tell you this because my wife, she's not big on the spotlight. Honestly, there's a lot of times I try to get her to come up here and speak with me for something. She's like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And right now, she's down there loving on your kids. If you have somebody, if you have a child down there, she's loving on them. She's leading that ministry. But she is so giving and loving and sweet and kind. And, and I'll tell you this. Um, this month, we've been together 14 years, and I pray to the Father that it continues this, but I love her more today than I ever have. I'm more attracted to her today than I ever have. I know y'all don't want to know that, but I just want to tell you, I love my wife and think she's pretty. <laughs> I love her. But you know, it's really easy, and I'm guilty of this, to put her before God. And our culture would say, you better love your wife. You better take care of her. Yeah, I should. But I, I want to tell you, it's not pleasing to the Father to put her before my Father in heaven. That's not biblical. Culture would say, hey, listen, you've you got to protect this, and you've got to you know, love her. And, and culture says a lot of other things th this day, too, by the way, about what marriages should and shouldn't be. But what I'm telling you is it's really easy for me to love my wife more than I love my God. This next picture is a picture of my daughter, Harper. She just started kindergarten. Uh, her first full week was this week, and you talk. I mean, parents, you know what I'm at. If it does, if you're, if you're, no matter where, if your kids are 30 or 50, you know what I'm talking about. We're in a new season of parenting, and so it was tough. We, her first half day was not this past Thursday, but the Thursday before. And uh, I think I shared this with our church last week. But Errol and I, the Wednesday night before her first half day, we had this you know, weeping meltdown of parental guilt of like, have we spent enough time with her? Have we told her we love her enough? You know, did I push her enough in the swing? And you know what I'm talking about, just kind of, just things that they matter, you know, they matter. And, and I felt really bad for, for some things because life goes by like this, 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 it goes by like this. This is my, my precious Harper Eden, and it's really easy for me to love her 
and put her before God. And how many, don't, don't raise your hand, don't speak on behalf of a friend, don't elbow somebody, but we say this in the South all the time, my kids are my world, life, they're my everything. You better be careful saying that, really. You better be careful. And see, there's a tension. Some of y'all, you're not sure if you like me or love me now because you're like, hey, don't be talking about my kids, preacher. But that's not what God wants. He wants you to love him. I mean, basically, that's a King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, I believe in God. He saved my soul, and he's a good, good father, but yet I'll worship my daughter as a lowercase g. And that's not what God wants from us. I think there's this... I, I hope that I'm not a part of the problem, but there's this, we have to have this reality in, in, in 2017 that yes, God is good and he's gracious and he's faithful and he gives mercy and he's just and he's kind and, and all those things, but he wants all of you. He wants all of you. All of you. So it's really easy for me to put my daughter before him. This next picture is, a, I think it's a great personality pick of my son, Jude. I love my Jude. I love my baby boy. I can just get emotional talk about him right now because I, I grew up without a father. And now I have the opportunity to be a man to this young man and raise him uh, the right way, or at least the best that I can. I love my son. I love my kids. But it's really easy for me to put him before God, and that's not pleasing to God. It's not. It's not. I have a responsibility. I, we believe at City Lots, I believe it's scriptural. Errol and I believe it, that these kids are a gift from him. And that we've got to raise them up when they're going to go into the world and hopefully they're going to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And I hope that he's a church planner and does far greater things than I've ever done. But I love him no matter what he does because he's my boy. Just like God loves you no matter what you do. He loves you. You're his child. But it's really easy for me to devote all my time to him and sacrifice time with God. And culture would say, yeah, you should. But that's not what God wants. Now, I'm gonna share something with you that you, some of you may understand, depending upon your background, some of you may not. This is the most tricky. This next picture, go ahead, Bo, is a picture of you. I love my church. This was like, I think, our second service here. And I love this photo, and I don't even know why. I think because the lights look cool, and I don't even, that's, it just grabs my eye. But it's really easy for me to put this church before my God. And let me explain to you. And I've done it. I've been in ministry not a long, long time, about, uh, well, coming up on eight years, so I have a tad bit of experience. But I've been guilty numerous times of putting in the work of God and not worshiping God. I'm working on systems. Are we launching city groups? Do we have enough volunteers? Is my message good? Am I prepared? Is the music right? Is the facility clean? And those things matter, but not more than God. And I just want to make a confession to you. There's been times where I've been a really great pastor, but a really crappy dad. I've been a really good communicator, but a terrible worshiper. Those are things that could be modern-day idolatry. I love this church. That means I love you. It's not this building. I could care less about this building. I've met in driveways and living rooms and wedding venues and barns and high schools. I don't give a crap where we meet. If you'll meet me there, I'll preach with just as much passion, if it be five or 500. So there are these things that are seemingly good, 
But if I put it before my God, that's idolatry. And that's the tension of, okay, how do I set my mind above, Dylan, and not get wrapped up on things that you matter? I want you to know that. If nobody's told you this today, if you're watching online, you matter to God. But there's this tension. And my heart's been so heavy this morning because I woke up and I knew what I was preaching on. And I think what happened was sometimes you ever pray a prayer and God answers and you're like, hold up, bro. I didn't, I didn't really mean it, actually. I begin to ask God to, like the psalmist said, I said, search my heart, God, and point out anything that's displeasing to you and me. And he did. And there was a lot of things that, I, that I'm putting before God that hinder me. And it breaks my heart because this is one thing I know as a pastor is that there are many times we are missing out on what God wants for us because we think we're seemingly giving attention to something's good. This is going to sound old school and like country, and I might as well have a suit and a King James Bible up here for what I'm about to say. But it's the truth. I want to give you another example of modern-day idolatry. Uh, for example, how much more could you, if, if you spend as much time with Jesus as you do on your phone, would you know him a little more? Of course. Unless you have a flip phone, then you ain't got no business on that phone anyway. 1999 called, they want it back. But that's what I'm talking about. These things that they seem trivial or meaningless, but really they become an idol for us. And it's tough. It's tough. Because we miss out so much on what God wants to do because we're doing things that they seem good. They seem good. I want to read a couple of scripture to you about, about Daniel and, the, and these, uh, about these three boys that I think will show us all right then. How do, we, how do we deal with these things that they seem important to us but that we can't give in to? How do we set our minds on what is above? And you know it's tough, Right? I'm not, listen, you're important. My kids are important. My wife is important. Some other idols for you may be your money. Money's a big deal. It's not a bad thing. But the Bible does say, and we need to clarify, it doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says that the love of money is the root of all evil. It may be your vehicle. It may be your house. One of the things that I think the world is it's continually getting worse is our image. It's our image. What do we look like? We haven't... Are we pretending to be somebody we're not just so that we can make somebody else think we're somebody we're not? There's all kinds of things. And what I want you to do as we continue, I want you just to ask the Spirit to identify. Maybe you already know, what's my idol? Like, I know I'm doing this too much, or God, I'm really putting this before you. And I want to show you some things in Scripture that I think will help us defeat it and get focused on what is above. So I want to skip ahead to, uh, to, uh, to chapter 3 in, in Daniel. And I want to read a little bit about Nebuchadnezzar. And I want you to see how sometimes the world will promote modern-day idolatry without us even knowing it. So pull up this scripture, but let me get going in it. This is Daniel chapter 3. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, he, listen, he made a gold statue, listen to this, 90 feet tall, excuse me, yeah, 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And he set it up, let me hear, and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now let me just ask you something. In 2017, doesn't it seem like Nebuchadnezzar could have just built a nine-foot statue, and that would have been okay. But like he had to build a 90-foot, 
and nine feet wide. It's like, that's a little overkill, right? That's exactly what the world does to us. And I want, I want, you, to, I want you to hear this. The world, I, I, what I'm going to do is parallel King Nebuchadnezzar to like the modern day society and world. This is a little bit like outrageous and ridiculous, right? 90 feet tall, bro. I mean, you could have done, nine feet would have been fine. But what you're going to see is that the world will never encourage your worship through love. It's going to be propaganda, and it's going to be like, you need this. If you buy this car, you're going to feel so good. If you buy this house, people, it's going to be perfect. You're going to see that the world will never encourage your worship through love. He builds this great statue. Verse 2 says, then he sent messages Then he sent messages. I want you to notice who he sent them to. The high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, the magistrates, and all the provincial uh, officials to come to the dedication. Let me hear it too. To come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. Now, what's interesting about this is Nebuchadnezzar, he sends out the messages to every person that's in authority. Because those people had influence over their people. Now, I'm really not trying to be a, a doggone preacher and, you know, hellfire and all that, but I, I want to just preach some truth to you. The same is true today. The world will try to encourage your worship through the super companies. Hey, if you buy this product, it's going to be so much better for you. They're going to use famous people in these commercials. My wife loves Matthew McConaughey. She loves him. Not like love, love, but you know, she, that's, she likes him. And you know, he does those really stupid, weird commercials for those cars, you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, what? <laughs> but it, like, it grabs your attention. You see those commercials, like it has nothing to do with anything. And at the end, it's like, you know, buy Oscar Mayer hot dogs. And it was like, a, you know, a guy jumping off a building and it has nothing to do with it, but it grabs your attention. They're going to go through these big super companies. They're going to go through these, the famous people that have influence. And that's what King Nebuchadnezzar did. That's what the world does today to, get, to gain our influence. It's propaganda to, to grab our attention of, hey, you, got to, you need to do this. You need to do this. Verse 3 says, so all these officials came and stood before the statue. In the original language, it promotes this idea that came and had devout attention devout. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 4. Then a herald shouted out, listen this, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. Verse 5. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pops, keys, drums, bass guitar, and other musical instruments, listen, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. Verse 6 says, anyone, anyone who refuses to obey will immediately, let me hear for a moment, will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. I told you this just a minute ago. King Nebuchadnezzar is demanding worship, but it's never through love. See, he's saying, hey, if you don't worship me, you're going to get thrown into the furnace. The world says, hey, if you don't buy this and you drive a 1992 Honda Accord versus a 2012, you're really not as good as you could be. The world will guilt you, manipulate you, manipulate you, deceive you into 
buying these things, to giving in to these things. I've got to have it. The world says you need, just like this statue is 90 feet tall by nine feet wide, the world says, hey, you got to have a bigger car. you got to have more clothes. you got to have more money. you got to have a, the, the newest iPhone. you got to have a bigger house. And Nebuchadnezzar this day, he is demanding worship. But if he doesn't get it, punishment is the consequence. The, the, to worship the Father, Jesus says, come to me. It's an invitation to worship him. It's not a demand. It's come, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. I'll give you rest. Come. It's, a, it's an invitation. Verse 7. It says, so at the sound of the musical instruments, listen, all the people, not quite though, we're going to see here in just a moment, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, because idolatry does not discriminate, listen, they bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. This sounds a little ridiculous. I mean, like, what if, like, Imagine this. What if after the service I was like, hey, I got a little surprise for you outside. And Sean and the production team had built a 90-foot statue of me, about nine feet wide. Feel me? And I was like, hey, listen, Chris is going to start playing the cowbell. Brittany's going to sing a little vocals. And when y'all hear it, I just want you to bow down. Sounds stupid, right? We do the exact same thing today with our children, with our image, with our jobs, with our pride. We're not bound down to a 90-foot statue, but we're giving in to our career. We're giving in to our education. We're putting those things so much higher. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying they're not important, but what I'm saying is nothing is more important than God. And if we're not careful... We can just be entering into this phase of modern-day idolatry, and we're King Nebuchadnezzar. I believe in God, but I worship all kinds of gods. And we justify it. We'll justify it. How many of you, we're good at trying to trick ourselves, right? And so here's what I want you to know. I want you, I want you to, to capture this. I want you to think about this because it's, it's really, it's a spiritual war that's going on. But next one. Every day there is a battle raging for your worship. Every day. There's a battle raging. Spiritually, the Father wants your attention, but the world's promoting more, bigger. You gotta have this. And this is where it kind of gets, can kind of get a little philosophical, so I'm not gonna get really, really deep into it, but you need to know this. Every day there's a battle raging for your worship, and you have the ability to choose and to fight and to draw close to the Father or to draw close to the things of this world. And I want to clarify to this. It's okay to have nice things. If you work really hard and God's blessed you with a good job and you're a steward, you should have nice things. I like nice things. My wife likes nice things. I'm not saying, listen, the following Jesus is not a universal call to poverty, okay? That's not it. But there is a battle raging. And listen, and God has a plan for your worship, but you have a part in it as well. And you have to choose. You have to choose. I want to ask you this, this diagnostic question.
Matter of fact, I want you to participate. Just by a show of hands. If you, it, since I've started speaking, are there things or something in your life that you can identify that is actually, it's really, it's an idol for you. It, it hinders you from following Jesus. You should know this, that there's a battle for you going on in a heavenly realm. There's a battle going on. And, it, and listen, it can seem trivial, I think. I, I, told, I, told, I told Cody, um, I just said I told Cody. <laughs> I told Cody. Uh, that's so funny. I told. Me and my wife, like, kind of make fun of people that say, you know, I told him when I went to the Poe over there and told. But anyway, I told Cody. I am from the South, man, okay? I have some education, but I'm still country, all right? I love my people. What was I talking about? <laughs> what? What was we talking about downstairs? You were there, dude. <laughs> he told me, but I forgot. <laughs> I told you, but you forgot. Dang it. Can't remember. Every day there's a battle raging for your worship. Every day. Every day. These things, these things that we, we identify, they seem important, and I'm not saying they're not important. But I do want to express, again, the importance of, and it's hard to understand this, but there is a spiritual realm going on every single day. And we can't give in to the battle. We've, we've got to keep fighting. We've got to keep fighting. So here, here I want to set this up. We're going to read a couple more scripture, and then um, we're, going to, we're going to wrap this up. It said that all people came and, and worshipped that statue, but that's not entirely true. There was these three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they refused to worship at this statue. And I want to just teach this. I told our volunteers this. Uh, it's, we, we call them three Hebrew boys or children, but the actual language there, it depicts this idea that these boys were really more like 15 to 20 years old. So sometimes when we say Hebrew boys, I feel like, you know, it's not like Jude and some of our kids like running around here. These were, you know, young men that could stand up and, and, and make decisions for themselves. They refuse to bow down, and King Nebuchadnezzar comes to them, and this is the question he asks them. He says, what God can rescue you from the furnace that I'm going to throw you in? What God can rescue you? What God can save you from what I'm about to do to you? Pull those scriptures up for me, Bo. I love this right here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied. Leave me here. I'm going to go slow through this for a moment. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. And I think I wanted to remind the cross fallen here today, sometimes you're going to make a decision that's contrary to what the world wants you to do, and you don't have to defend yourself while you're not doing it. You just give it to the Father and say, hey, I trust that he, he is the line and the cage, and all I've got to do is just open the cage and let it out. I don't need to protect it. I don't need to defend it. I don't have to give a reason why, Morgan. I just say, hey, he's my God, and, I, and I'm not doing those things. And I don't need to tell you why I'm not doing it either. It's none of your business. I love this. Oh, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. I'm confident in who my God is. I'm confident in why I do what I do. Listen, to verse, 17, or yeah, verse 17 says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, remember, he's, he's threatened, hey, people don't do this. You're going to be thrown into the furnace. 
They say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, listen, the God whom we serve is able. How many of you know that God is able to do exceedingly more than we could ever imagine or think? He is able to do that. He is able to take these things that, that, that distract us, that hinder us, and he's able for us to, to squash those and stand up. He's able to protect us. The God whom we serve, he is able to save us. And listen, he will rescue us from, I love this right here, they're still being respectful. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. They still got to respect the king a little bit, right? I mean, he is the king. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, if it happens, the God whom we serve is able. Maybe that's just a good reminder. Maybe you came today just to hear that. I wanted to tell you that God is able to help you overcome everything you're going through. He's able. You're not, but he is. He will rescue us from your power. Verse 18, here's the title of my message. But even if, I love this, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods, let me hear, or worship the gold statue you have set up. And what they're saying is this, is that, hey, there's some things going on and we know there's some consequences if we don't succumb to the society, to the cultural norms, to the statue. But even if he doesn't show up, I'm not gonna worship you. Even if my marriage doesn't work out, I know you've still got a plan for me and I know that you love me. But even if I lose some friends over following you, I'm still gonna keep on the path that you've got for me. But even if, but even if it hurts me and even if it costs me everything, I know that you're able. But even if I get some funny looks, even if I feel alone, I know that you'll never leave me or forsake me. But even if, and I wanted to ask you today, do you have the power in you? The answer is yes. Do you have the faith in you to say, but even if no one understands, I know that you alone are my God. But even if. See, sometimes I feel like we come to God and say, only if. Or just if, you'll, just if you'll do this, God, you know I'm struggling in this relationship. You know I need you to redeem it. But even if it doesn't work out, I'll still praise your name. But even if it doesn't, because you are good. There's been times in my life where this is my promise. I say, God, but even if, not because I know that you, it's not that I know you can't. You can do all things if you want to. I'm just saying to the place in my heart, I submit that no matter what you do, but even if you don't do what I want you to do, God, I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to pursue you. But even if I don't get that raise, I know you'll take care of me. But even if I don't get that job, I know you can give me joy to stay at the one I'm at. But even if my sorrow lasts through the night, I know that joy is coming in the morning, so I'll wait patiently on the Lord. But even if, and I want to ask you this, and I want to, to, to lay this on you. Are you saying, God, only if, or is your faith courageous enough to say, but even if? There's a big difference. But even if, it reminds me of that song that, you know, it, it is well with my soul, but even if you don't save me from the storm, I know you'll guide me through it. And so I think for all people today, 
all people, but particularly cross followers, there is a battle raging for your worship. And there are some things that, that, are, that are seemingly good. There are our kids, our spouse, our dreams, our jobs, our homes, our finances, our image. And if we're not careful, that can become a 90 foot by nine foot wide statue without us even knowing it. And so then I guess the question would be this. But even if he doesn't, I, I, I don't know. Listen, I love this. I could stay on this song all day. But even if. So then why? Why do we worship God? Is it because of, let me ask you something. You've heard this, so this isn't new. Are you worshiping Jesus because of what he's already done for you on the cross? Or do you worship him because of what you hope he'll do for you in the future. And you've heard this, if he never did another thing for you, other than save your soul on the cross, would that be enough for you? Would it be enough? And listen, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have wants and desires because it says that if you ask in his name, he can do it and he's able to do more than you could ever ask or think. But I'm just saying, when you have this, but even if, God, you never did another thing for me, what you did on the cross, what you've done here in my heart is more than I could ever ask or imagine and certainly could ever do for myself. I'll worship you. I love you. But even if you never did another thing, even if I never got back all that I lost, I know that in you I've gained so much more than I ever could have. So listen, this isn't profound, but really kind of the last idea I want to share with you is that we worship God slide. We worship God because He is God. That's why we worship Him, because of who He is. What He can do, if you will, is just a, a perk. It's a lot more than that, so don't some of y'all get mad at me. I've been preaching good. I'm just running out of words because I'm getting tired. We worship God because He alone is God. There are no other gods. There are none. So today, can we decide to follow Jesus? Can we say that Christ is enough for us? But even if, God, no matter what happens, but even if. I think that God is looking for a generation. I want to tell, I want to tell you, as a pastor of this church, I'm looking for some people that will help us step into the future and say, but even if the plan doesn't go like we thought it would, we know that God still has an incredible, incredible journey for us. But even if. But even if it's a position of the heart. King Nebuchadnezzar made a promise that day. He said, hey, if these people don't worship me, I'm going to throw them into a furnace. And it'll cost you your life. And they said, but even if unto death, I'll follow you. But he's able to rescue us. And so what happened was these three young men they did get thrown into that fire, that furnace. They did get thrown into that fire, as you recall the story. And God did save them. He did pull them out of that. This is so good. Will you just stand with me? Do we just stand with me as I close this? He threw that into the furnace, and, and, and King Nebuchadnezzar said, Hey, it's going to cost you your life, but they, unto death, they said, I'll go. And as you know, God saved them because He's able to do all things. He pulled them from that furnace, and did you know they didn't? They came out not even smelling like smoke. And 
so the last thing that I want to impart upon you, this but even if mentality, is that this. Sometimes, if we stand up for what's right in God's eyes, it's going to cost us in society's eyes. But even if it does, I'll still follow Him. And the last thing I want to share with you is this. He threw them in the furnace and they were willing to go, but God saved them. And so the last imparting piece is this. If you're willing to embrace the heat for God, He'll save you from the fire. If you're willing to embrace the heat, He will save you from the fire. Our God is able. Can we position our hearts to say today that Christ is enough for us? Will you sing with us? Thanks for listening to today's message. We'd love to stay connected with you through the week. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at City Lights AC. Thanks again, and join us soon.